0: Many of you might remember a detective show popular in the 1960s. It focused on crimes, ironically, in the city of Angels, Los Angeles, California. Dragnet featured Detective Joe Friday and Officer Bill Gannon. I would watch episodes with my older brother, Michael, in the evenings, and later as reruns with my younger sister, Catherine. Because some characters in the show would fill in too many extraneous details and have difficulty getting to the point, Detective Friday would nod politely on my small 18-inch black-and-white TV screen while patiently listening, and when they finished, he would say pointedly, just the facts, ma'am, or just the facts, sir, as a case would be. Reading Matthew's story feels a bit like that because it follows a familiar Old Testament formula, but with some rather extraordinary details. Whereas Mark does not even tell the story of Jesus' birth, and Luke focuses on Mary and her full and rich experiences in the Magnificat. We are hearing mostly the essential qualifying messianic aspects of the birth of Jesus, though several of the details ring rather supernatural. Matthew writes, Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way, as though we are to expect a laundry list of normal events. Matthew tells us the role of Jesus in God's plan for redemption of Israel the divine plan of salvation and creation. There are two important aspects for the gospel writer here. First, Matthew needs to connect Jesus to the royal Davidic line, for that is from whom the Savior or Messiah shall come, according to the ancient prophets. And by recalling the genealogy of Jesus through the bloodline of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus is born, In the verses before today's reading, he gives that crucial evidence. The next task is to connect Jesus to God, and he does this by a clear statement about Mary in his narrative. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Mary is with child by divine will. This is reported as fact. There is no debate. It just is. Jesus, born of Mary, is the Son of God by the line of David through Joseph. For Matthew, it is case closed. Joseph is only described in a few passages of the New Testament, and the last time in Luke's Gospel, when, barely a teenager, Jesus fails to show up in the crowd returning to Nazareth after observing the Passover, The last time we hear of Joseph in Matthew's gospel is when he is told in a dream to take Mary and the young child Jesus back to Judah to live in Nazareth after the death of King Herod. Today's reading, several things give us insight into Joseph's character, which would make him the exceptional earthly father of our Lord Jesus. First, he is righteous. And for Matthew, that means observant of the laws of Israel. Joseph found himself in the position, according to the law, of having to dismiss Mary, because she was with child, but not by him. At the same time, he did not want to cause her public disgrace. He was merciful in that way, and probably with great distress, he figured out what to do. He would dismiss her in private. He was a decisive man and a man who did the obedient thing in the right manner. But wait, we learn more about Joseph. Now the angel which came to him in a dream reveals to us that he was fearful. One can only imagine his thoughts regarding the pregnancy. If I take Mary as my wife... Will we be in good standing with others in the community? Will I bring disgrace to my own house and ruin my honor? Deuteronomic laws were set forth for social order, and one could argue that Mary was in great trouble. And bringing her to his home could cause him harm also. Joseph, obedient to the law but not wanting harm to come to Mary, would have felt great anguish. But the angel says, do not be afraid. Then the angel gives him the facts. The angel says, the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and then tells Joseph that he shall name the child. This is important that Joseph name the baby, so that Jesus was claimed by an earthly father. The name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The announcement of Jesus' birth is in the formal pattern drawn from the Old Testament giving credence to his being the Messiah. This pattern usually includes the child's name and his identity. This formula is seen in today's reading from Isaiah. You can also find it early in the book of Genesis with the announcements of Ishmael and Isaac, though theirs were not in a dream, but by an angel of the Lord. We know that Joseph was observant of Jewish customs, as later revealed in both the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. He and Mary present their firstborn Jesus, their firstborn Jesus, at the temple eight days after his birth, and making the appropriate sacrifice of doves. He observed the Passover as written in Luke. As a Jewish male, he was probably schooled in the synagogue of stories in Genesis such as Jacob's dreams at Bethel, the dreams of Joseph, son of Jacob, and the apocalyptic dreams of Daniel. Because of his lessons in the synagogue, Joseph, son of David, would be familiar with and accept the idea of divine revelations in dreams, and he would be obedient to the messages they held. One might say he was very well formed in the ways of God, in both scripture and in belief. As the story goes, Joseph did as the angel of the Lord instructed. He took Mary as his wife, having no marital relations until she had born a son, and his name was Jesus. Joseph was now a father. It all sounds so simple when we read it, just the facts. Joseph is faithful, doing what God instructs him to do. Contrary to his first thought, by the way, which under scriptural law, Joseph listens to the angel in his dream and trusts that God has, care, has him in his care. He obeys God's call to be a vital part of God's revelation of himself to us, to the people of Israel and in our story of redemption. The events were not as Joseph planned, or what Mary planned either. The betrothed couple were looking forward to a rather normal life in Judah, with little drama. Joseph, likely a stonemason, was looking forward to building houses for people and other structures, raising a family, studying scripture, keeping his head down, and staying out of trouble with Rome. However, Joseph said yes to God's call for him to protect, nurture, teach, and love this child born of the Holy Spirit, whose purpose was to save people from their own treachery. Imagine that call for a moment as we enter the last week of Advent, as we anticipate the birth of Jesus. Jesus He saves. Emmanuel, God with us. It is an event for which we can claim no credit. God, through the Holy Spirit, made it happen. God's will entered the life of the faithful, obedient man, turned his world upside down, and Joseph said yes. And he and we are given the gift of the Son of God. Joseph responded with, yes. An often heard phrase in Advent is, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Our preparations for the birth of our Lord are nearing their end, and we wait in great hope for baby Jesus. As followers of Christ, we are to be open to what God is asking us to do, to be open to the experiences of this new feast of the Lord, Perhaps our plans and hopes for Christmas and the coming seasons, as good as they are and as well as we have planned, may need changing to allow for God's new works. Will we place our trust in God as Joseph did as we await Christ's coming again? Now, as with each and every day, we have the opportunity to answer and respond as Joseph did. Yes, yes. Yes, I will.